Well, if you was paying attention, you saw that screen just going crazy. Don't set your Bible on top of the clicker. That's what I learned. Before we get into the lesson this morning, uh, <clears throat> Stan and Kathy Walling would like to uh, place membership here at our congregation. Uh, they've been attending for the last few weeks, and uh, they told me Wednesday night that they would like to be a part of our congregation, so we want to welcome them here. They're sitting in the back, second row from the back, so if you haven't met them, uh, please uh, do so and welcome them to our family here at Ridge Road. It's always good to uh, realize that people want to be a part of our congregation. It's good when we can study with someone and they obey the gospel, uh, but uh, they've been members for a long time. And so uh, just uh, welcome them to our congregation. <clears throat> the woman was living a good life. She had a loving husband, treated her with respect, was kind. She had two beautiful daughters. She had a great job. She had a very comfortable home. Excellent relationships with her extended family and all of her friends. Everything seemed to be right and perfect. But even with all of that, she frequently felt angry, insecure, guilt-ridden, and easily upset by the minor everyday problems. I ask you, does that describe you? Have you ever felt that way? Perhaps we have thoughts like that today. Where everything should be going good. Everything on the outside seems to be going good. But on the inside... We feel like life's passing us by. Feeling like we're, that life has become a treadmill, like we're that hamster on that wheel just running along and getting nowhere. Feeling like life is slipping by and we're not enjoying it. And habits settle into daily routines. We get up and we do the same thing over and over and over. Days are long. Years are short, and life is just not what we wanted it to be. There's no real unhappiness, but genuine joy seems to elude us. It seems to be something that we just can't grab a hold of. The last couple of weeks, we've been looking at living the abundant life. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 and verse 10 that He came to give life and to make it more abundantly or that we could have it more abundantly. And we've looked at two passages of Scripture. One is in first or second Peter chapter 1. And Peter tells us that we need to add these Christian graces to our lives. And then when we do our life, we will have the abundant life. That we're to add to our faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, agape love. Love that we looked at last Sunday. Peter says that if we'll add those things to our lives, then, that, then we can make our calling and election sure. And that we'll have the right relationship with God, that we'll be walking with Him. And He'll make us fruitful and effective in God's kingdom. The second passage of Scripture is found in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. 
And there Paul tells us to live a life that will produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And when we're guided by God and His Word, the Holy Spirit, then we will have the works of the, or the works of the or we won't have the works of the flesh, and we'll have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, which is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things will make us what God wants us to be. And this morning, I want us to focus and look at the subject of love, or of joy. Because biblical joy is the gladness of heart that comes from knowing God. It comes from abiding in Christ and being filled with that Spirit, the Word of God in our lives, and having a right relationship with our fellow man. You see, God created us to have relationships. And that right relationship should be with Him. We need to have a right relationship with God and we need to have a right relationship with each other. And when that fails, when we fail to have those proper relationships, we're not going to have the joy in our lives that we should. And we need to be honest with ourselves and look at ourselves and realize that when we're not what God wants us to be, it is hard to have that joy. You see, God created us to have relationships. And the joy of the Lord comes when those relationships are correct. No, it wasn't a mistake to have Luke chapter 2 read. No, I didn't think that it was Christmas time. But in Luke chapter 2, there is a very important point that is mentioned there in that passage of Scripture. And it's found in verse 10 where the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Jesus coming into this world brought the potential of joyful happiness or joyful and rejoicing in our lives. He made that possible. And listen to what David says in Psalms chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. He said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, well, why is this therefore? Well, because this, he's told us where the Lord's at in his life. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh shall also rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is joy or fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You want to have joy? David here tells us how to have joy. Put God in the right place. Make him the in the right put him in the right place in your life. Have him at your right hand. Be with him. And guess what? You can have that joy. Listen to what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. He said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and to drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's something in that message. There's something in that fact that joy of the Lord is, our, is your strength. You see, God, when He's in the right place in our lives, when we have Him by our side, when we're walking with Him, we have confidence. And that joy that it gives us knowing that we're doing what God wants us to do and that we're living to please Him. 
Listen, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 23, it tells us that the fruit of living with God includes joy. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul encourages us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I ask you, do you have that joy in your life today? And if you don't have that joy, I ask you, where is God? You see, sometimes we're not very honest with ourselves. And our relationship with God isn't what we, would, we want it to be because we're not doing what God wants us to do. We're not living the way that He wants us to live. We're not adding those Christian graces in our lives. As I mentioned when we were talking about those things, we need to get up every day and plan in our lives to have those things in it and to work on those things where we're weak. And if we do those things, we'll be productive. We'll be fruitful, as Peter says. And he gives us a guarantee that we'll never fall. You see, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on circumstances and situations that surround us. I ask, what's happening in your life? What's happening to us? What's happening within us? In us and around us? A lot of those circumstances, a lot of those situations that take place around us cause us to be unhappy. But the question is, do we still have joy in our lives? Even in the unhappiness that's going on in our lives. You see, while joy or while happiness is based on the things that happen around us or to us, joy is a condition of the heart. What would make you happy today? Think about that seriously. What would make you happy today? Would a new house make you happy today? I know sometimes we all go in and you know the closet isn't big enough, room's not big enough, things aren't what we would like. And so would a new house make you happy? Maybe you got up this morning and that engine on the car, you would wish you had a new car. Would that make you happy? How about a dream vacation? Or a different job? Or no job at all. A husband. A wife. Or maybe a different husband and a different wife. Would that make you happy? I'd venture to say that all most of us, if we fell into one of those situations where we had a new house and a new car, you had that dream job and, and had the uh, dream vacation and had the spouse that we always imagined, if we had all of those things, we would be like the little kid that gets up on Christmas morning and he had to have that. i got to have that. i got to have this. This is what I want. This is what I want. And you get it for them and they play with it for a couple of hours and then they're done with it. Didn't bring as much joy as they thought that it would. Happiness is our situations and circumstances being what we want them to be. And brethren, if there's any place in this world where we should be happy, it's in the country that we live in. We're very fortunate to live where we live. And if there's a place in the United States where people ought to be happy, it's right here. I read where 
Depression affects 20% of adult American adults. 40 million. Almost 18% of us have some kind of anxiety disorder. But the good news is the joy of the Lord isn't the same as the happiness that is so hard to grasp. Perhaps we catch a glimpse of the difference in the way the words are used in the Bible. In the King James Version, if I've counted it right, the word happy appears 26 times. While the word joy and rejoice are found 357 times. You see, happiness may be a relative or related to joy, but they're not the same. Not at all. Joy is about where we stand with God and others. Joy is not a feeling. It's a choice that we make not based upon circumstances, but it's an attitude. Joy is free, but it doesn't come cheap. It's a byproduct of having a correct relationship with God and our fellow man. Perhaps the best illustration of the difference between the two of the joy principle that we can see is found in Acts chapter 16. You might flip over there. I don't have time in this lesson to read the chapter, uh, but I would love to read it, but I don't have time. But I want us to look at a few verses. Paul and Silas had been arrested. And they were put in a jail in Philippi. In verse 22, it tells us that they were beaten. And I would imagine that when they were beaten, it was pretty rough. That it was pretty tough. And then it goes on in verse 23, and it says that they had many stripes put upon them. That means that when they were beaten, most likely they used a whip. And it would hit their backs. And I would imagine that that whip didn't always hit its target, that sometimes when you're swinging at the back, that it would wrap around and hit the backs of the arm. And I don't know about you, but the back of the arm seems to be like a tender place. And then in verse 24, it tells us that they were thrown in prison. And also in verse 24, it tells us that they were fastened in stocks. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. They had been beaten. You ever been beaten? Some of us may have been beaten up. The next day, sometimes we feel the bruises. We feel the pain from that. But imagine being whipped with many stripes. The blood that would come forth out of that. And then your feet are placed in stocks. And I would imagine that in a jail of this sort, there was not much comfort. That when you're placed in the stocks, your feet are locked in, 
Now I want you to imagine how your back would feel. How do you lay down? Have you ever had something that's poking you and you want to move around and you want to imagine you can't lay back? You think they were happy about that? You think they were happy about the circumstances and the situations that got them into that place? That doesn't bring happiness. They were miserable. No way to get comfortable. But at midnight, we hear them praying and singing praises to God while the other prisoners listened. Why were they able to do that? Because it's like that kid's song that we sing in vacation Bible school. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. That's what you do when you have joy down in your heart. The circumstances, the situation <clears throat> doesn't determine how joyous you feel toward God. There we see the difference between happiness and joy. <clears throat> Think about the book of Philippi or Philippians. It was written while Paul was under arrest. And most scholars believe that he was under house arrest, which means that he was chained to a guard 24 hours a day. But when you look at the book of Philippians, you find that it's a book of joy. The word joy is found ten times. Rejoice appears twenty times. And we hear Paul say, even in his bonds, in the chains, as he's chained to that soldier, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The book of Philippians is about relationships. A relationship with God and a relationship with others. And so if joy is about relationships, let's examine the relationships that bring joy to us. First, joy comes from a right relationship with God the Father. When we're right with God... He rejoices. Remember when the, the, when the Bible describes that when a sinner repents, there's the angels rejoice? There's rejoicing in heaven. God rejoices. He wants us to be right. He wants, wants us to be right with Him. And it's only through that relationship that we can experience joy in its fullness. Listen to what it says in Psalms chapter 5 and verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in Thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because Thou defendest them. Let them also that love Thy name be joyful in Thee. Is there a clue there to how we can have happiness? Well, I believe that there is. It's putting our trust in Him. We trust Him that all things are going to work out for good. That He's going to watch over us. That He's going to provide for us. That He enables us to do the things that we've seen there in First or Second Peter chapter 1 and Galatians chapter 5. He empowers us to do those things. And we put our trust in Him. That means I trust Him. I trust His Word. And when I do that, guess what? That gives me joy to know that He cares about me. 
Do we love His name? Listen to Psalms chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. Again, we've read this already. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. What's he saying? He's saying, I have set the Lord always before me. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to do His will. I'm going to do what He wants. And as a result of that, what happens? My heart is glad. And my glory rejoices. I'm happy inside because I know I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm with Him. I'm following Him. And then in verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In Thy presence is fullness of joy. At Thy right hand there is pleasures forevermore. When we follow the path that God has given, which is laid out in His Word, how He wants us to live. And I think there's another clue there in Philippians where Paul says, for me to live is Christ. What's he saying? That if I'm abiding in God, Christ is living in me. And when Christ is living in me, I have that relationship with the Father. In Psalms chapter 105 and verse 3, Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. There's something joyous about wanting to do what God wants us to do. And sometimes we're miserable, sometimes we're unhappy, because guess what? We don't want to do what God wants us to do. We want to do what we want to do. I want to live the way I want to live. I'm here to enjoy it. You know, it's like some people in the world have said to me over and over and over, look at what you're missing out on. You know what? I've never spent the morning throwing up in the toilet bowl because I partied all night. Not one time. I've never had to worry about what something's going to come back and haunt me in the past because I did something in the past that I shouldn't have done. God gives us joy inside. Gives us that peace. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall be joyful in my God. For He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robes of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. You know, I've been married a long, long time. I can't tell you what my wife wore every day. But I can tell you what she wore on our wedding day. I can tell you what she looked like on our wedding day. And I would guarantee you that if you ask her, she could tell you what I was wearing. Why? And all of us here that are married probably can do the same thing. Because it was something that was important and it stands out. And that's the, the special day in most of our lives that we don't want to forget. And that's re- uh, how the Scripture here relates what, how God clothes us in righteousness and in salvation. 
that's used to relate to that special day in our lives. So how God clothes us should be something that is special. And we rejoice in it. You know, if you have a happy marriage, I'm sure that you look back at that day and you can still smile when you think about it. And it brings joy inside. Oh yeah, there may be difficult days that you've had since. But you still have that joy that God can give us and give our soul in this life. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, go your, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions to them of whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto your, our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You think about that. When you have joy in the Lord, it gives you strength. It gives you strength to make it through the day. It gives you strength to do the things that you might have thought were impossible before. When you have the joy of the Lord, you want to share the Gospel with someone else. When you have joy of the Lord, you want to be around uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. When you have the joy of the Lord, you can't keep quiet about what the Bible tells us. That's why Peter said, (laughs) we can't keep quiet. And he tells us we ought to obey God rather than man when they told them to be quiet. And remember that on those occasions, chapter 5, they had been beaten also, and they rejoiced that they counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Christ. I ask you, do you think God wants us to be joyful? I think He does. In fact, He actually commands it in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. And Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He wants us to be happy. Joy is a sure sign of God's presence in our lives. Gloominess is not a Christian virtue. I didn't see that anywhere Peter talked about. Add to yourself... You know, oh, poor, woe me. I didn't see where the fruit of the Spirit was, oh no, look look at my poor life. If God really is the center of our life and our being, then joy is inevitable. And I'm going to say it very plain, as plain as I can say it. If we have no joy in our heart, then we've missed the heart of the Gospel of Christ. For in Him we move, we live, and we have our very being. God blesses us. And so listen, joy comes from our being the person God wants us to be. Joy comes when we're obedient. Joy is knowing that we're right with God. And joy is knowing that we are forgiven, that we've been cleansed, we've been sanctified, we've been set apart. Joy comes when we know that God is in control of our lives. And we can take stock in the fact that in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it tells us that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. So when we know that we're doing God's will, when we're living to please Him, the circumstances around us may be awful. 
The situations that we have to deal with may be challenging. But we can still have the joy knowing that God's going to work those things out for our good. If we'll just follow His plan. David said in Psalms 35 and verse 9, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. I shall rejoice in His salvation. He didn't say, And my soul might be joyful in the Lord. He said, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. I shall rejoice in His salvation. That leads me to believe that it's a choice. And you know when he was absent of the joy of salvation because at one point he prayed that the joy of salvation would be restored? It was when he turned his back on God and violated the law of God and God was displeased with him. Brothers, sometimes we're absent of that joy because we know we're not doing what God wants us to do. We're not walking with Him We're not walking with Him at our right hand. We're like some of the apostles when Jesus was betrayed and followed afar off. He's out there somewhere ahead of us, but we just haven't caught up. Second, we want to have joy, then we need to have the right relationship with Jesus. You see, Christian joy is letting Jesus live out His life through us so that who and what He is we are to become. What He is, how He lived, He wants us to live the same way. That we need to be kind and loving and share the Gospel with people that are around us. We hear this all the time. That we are to conform ourselves into the image of Christ. That we are to develop His heart, His attitude, His disposition, His behavior. And that we are to keep our eyes on Jesus. Live like Jesus. And when we do, that life produces joy. When Jesus was about to die on the cross, you can see the agony that He was going through in the garden. But I think that it gave Him joy to know that He was going about His Father's business. Sometimes we have to do the tough things. The question is, do we have joy knowing that we're pleasing our Lord, our Savior? In Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says, "...that she might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness." Joyfulness. When we serve God, we need to have that joyful heart. Look at John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. And He tells us that He is the vine and that as Christians, we are the branches. And He goes on to tell us that we need to abide in Him. And certainly we understand that if you take a branch or cut a limb off of a grapevine, and you throw it off to the side, eventually it's going to wilt and it's going to die. Same is true with a branch on a tree. As long as it's attached to the trunk of the tree, you cut that branch off, guess what? It's going to wither and it's going to die. He 
Jesus is saying that we have to abide in Him. And if we don't abide in Him, then guess what? We're going to die. And we don't want to be cut off. We want to stay attached to that vine. Why? Because that's where the life is at. That's where the joy is at. And He tells us in verse 11, "...these things I have spoken unto you, that My joy might remain in you, and your joy might be filled." So as that joy flows through Christ, if I'm attached to Christ, then guess what? That joy flows into me because I am attached to the vine. The vine that is Jesus Christ, which means that I'm a part of His body, I'm a part of Him, and I'm living and doing what God wants me to do. I can only have that joy if I abide in Him. Joy is determined by whether or not I abide in Christ. As Nehemiah said, His presence gives us the strength or the power to live that abundant life. You see, if Jesus came to give us that abundant life, then if I abide in Him, that's where the possibility is at. I cut myself off. If I had detached myself from that vine, I'm not going to have the abundant life that Jesus wants me to have. Third, joy comes when we submit to the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us joy. Just like God lives in us, Jesus lives in us, the Spirit lives in us also. And that Spirit doesn't always want to just reside in us. It wants to guide us. It wants to be the the presence that is telling us and showing us what we need to do. Because He wants to lead us into truth. He wants to remind us of Jesus' teaching. He wants to convict us of sin, the guilt of sin. And He wants to convince us of righteousness and the judgment to come. And He wants wants to be our guide and our counselor. The one who we walk or walks with us, along with God, along with Jesus. He wants to walk with us and guide us, leading us in all truth. Now, how does He do that? He does that. The Holy Spirit does that through the written Word of God. How do I know what is truth? Well, the Bible tells me. God's Word tells me. It's Jesus that tells me. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. John 17 and verse 17. God's Word is truth. And so He wants me to follow that truth. He's the, he's, the, he's the source or the inspiration for the Word of God, the Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand that indeed biblical joy and the Holy Spirit go together. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You see, the word of God brings joy to our heart because it tells us who God is, tells us what God wants, tells us what God expects, tells us where we're going to go when we do all those things. And it also tells us where we're going to go if we fail to do those things. So you see, the Spirit guides us through the written word. And it wants us to follow truth. And it wants us to be saved. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And fourth, joy is ours when we have the right relationship with others. Those that are around us. As God's children, we must have a heart for other people. A heart for the lost. 
so that we'll mention them or mention Jesus to them. There's people that we love and care about that are lost. And if we're going to have the right relationship with them, we need to tell them what they need to know so that they can be saved. There's no greater joy than knowing that we are heaven-bound and that we're taking someone else with us. Many times people are concerned after someone's gone about their soul. Brother, we need to be concerned about their souls while they're here. We're concerned enough to share the Gospel of Christ with them. We also have to have a heart for the saved so that we can enjoy Christian fellowship. We want to be around people that are saved. They have that light, precious faith to know that we're all going to the same place, that we have that desire. And how do we have fellowship one with another? Well, fellowship means that we hear and obey the one another commands that we find in the New Testament. And there are several. I'll list just a few. But the Bible shows us that we're to care for one another. That we are to teach and admonish one another. And that we are to bear one another's burdens. We're to lift each other up with encouragement. We're to be kind one to another. We're to prefer one another. We're also to be hospitable and subject and forgive one another. We also need to pray one for another. I mentioned that, I think it was last Sunday. How often do we mention each other's name in prayer? You say, well, God already knows. I just say, you know, I just lump them all together, bless them all. Well, that's good, but sometimes it's good for you to think about that individual as an individual. Accept one another. Don't bite and devour one another. That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? But more people are wounded by their own brethren than they are by the world. That's what's happened in the churches of Galatia. They were biting and devouring, saying things, hurtful things, and doing things that would destroy each other. And as Jesus said, we are to love one another in John chapter 14 and verse 34. Why do we need to do all of those things? And there's many more. Why do we need to do all those things? Because we're the family of God. We all belong to the same family if you're a Christian. And we're a community. We're a fellowship. That's what one anotherness is. And the bottom line was expressed by Jesus in the night in the upper room. And it's a lesson that most people, I think, misunderstand. Because they look at that foot washing that He did and they turn it into a ritual. And they miss the point of what Jesus actually said and what He was teaching by His example. What He was teaching was that the greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. And He was willing to be a servant. And so he demonstrated that by washing their feet. Something that was needed at that particular time. It wasn't just a ritual. It was something that was needed. Brethren, if we want to be what God wants us to be, then we need to serve each other. 
We need to follow those commands and the others that go along with it. You see, if we do those things, we'll be blessed. We'll be joyous. We'll have that joy, joy, joy down in our heart. I want to end with a story. There was a preacher and his wife who had been invited to the wealthiest man's house that lived on an island. And after lunch, the man confessed in tears, I'm the most miserable man in the world. I have a yacht. I have a private plane. I have two helicopters. I can go anywhere I want. I have everything that I could ever want to make me happy. But yet... I'm miserable. The preacher and his wife talked to him and tried to lead him to Christ. But when they left, they returned to a small cottage, the home of the preacher where they were staying. And as they visited during supper, the preacher whose house they were staying at said, I don't have two pounds to my name but I'm the happiest man on the island. I ask you, who do you think was richer? Who was the richest man on that island? You see, things don't make us give us joy. They may for a moment. Money can't buy joy. It can't put it deep in our heart because there's a lot of people that have all the money that you can imagine and they're just like this individual that we talked about and they're miserable. They don't have the joy. They don't have the peace because they're not walking with God. You see, deep-seated joy in this life is not based on what we own. It's not what we possess but on our relationship. Who possesses us? You see, indeed, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you're here this morning and God is not your Father, Jesus is not your Lord, and the Spirit is not your guide, and the saved are not your brethren, you cannot possess the biblical joy that we're talking about. But you can have joy in those relationships by becoming God's child by faith, repentance, and being buried with our Lord in baptism after you've made that great confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And if you are a child of God, I want to encourage you to walk in the light follow that path that God has laid out in His Word so that the blood of Jesus will continually cleanse us from all sin. Then we can rejoice with the joy of our salvation. If you don't have that joy and you are a Christian, David knew what he needed to do in order to have that joy. He had to change. He had to repent and confess his sin. And then God would restore that joy of salvation. My friend, you can have that joy. 
but you have to submit to God's will. So I invite you to come. Have a seat up here on the front row if you need to respond while we stay in the same.